Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hi there, welcome back. After the horrendous change and disruption brought on by the coronavirus pandemic, managing your workforce has become a far more complex process than ever before. Employee experience has a huge part to play in this, which is why I'm delighted to be talking with Anthony Vaughan today. Anthony is a thought leader and fellow podcaster in the world of employee experience. His podcast E1B2, which is Employee First, Business Second, is a business podcast that focuses solely on the unique tactics and authentic approaches that helps leaders and brands create unique and effective culture and employee experiences. So Anthony, thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate it, Ben. I'm looking very, very much forward to it. Me too. Whereabouts are you at the moment anyway? Uh, I'm in a place called Abingdon, Maryland in the USA. Lovely. Loveliest part of the world. Um, So let's dive into it then, Anthony, if that's okay. Um, and do you want to give us a, a brief overview and your background? And I'm dying to hear about your horrendous employee experience mistake that uh, you've uh, mentioned in the past. I'd love to hear about that. So if you could give us a, a you know, two minute overview, that'd be great. Yeah, I'll dive right into that mistake. I have no, I have no, <laughs> I have no qualms with that. Um, so uh, pretty much, so guys, I'm, uh, I'm on the cusp of being, of being 30 years old here. So I started my entrepreneurial career at 19. So really young. Nice. Um, Dropped out of uh, university, um, started a, a football academy, a year-round football academy um, that focused on American football. So there was strength training, conditioning, um, psychological sports training, and a number of other things that we did. Um, that business grew to uh, about a little under seven figures in 18 months, which was obviously life-changing for me. Um, but that also brought along a lot of ego, uh, a lot of confidence, a lot of uh, perspectives that I'm not proud of. Um, and so long story short, what you were alluding to is, um, there was a moment where one of my best agility coaches who is now, by the way, the, uh, behind the scenes agility coach for every single American NFL team in the off season, uh, millions of dollars deep financially with a very big brand licensing deals with Nike, Under Armour, NFL, you, you name whatever you want to name. He's done it. And he is still doing it. Um, he was with me at the time about, uh, about, um, 10 years ago, eight years ago. And so the long story short of it is, um, he wanted to be a partner in the brand. Um, I declined. Um, he wanted to talk about things that I look at now, which will be called succession planning employee engagement, having a, a thoughtful one-on-one trying to figure out where he wants to be in life. And I ignored all of those variables and pretty much said, do what you do best, buddy, and, and stick to what you do. And, and let's not talk about that because you don't deserve to talk about that. Mm-hmm. He uh, elected to walk away from the brand. Um, frankly, hindsight 2020, like he should have. Um, and the business ended 20, uh, 25 days later. Um, wow. And uh, it was because every single parent and every single kid really believed in him. He was really connected to all the partnerships and all the ancillary relationships that we had that really allowed the business to go. Now, obviously, that was a very poor structure of a business because it should never live and die on on the backs of one human being. But let's put that to the side. What I really learned was employee experience 
really, really, really matters. Um, and there's a lot to unpack there. Um, and so to finish out my background, uh, I then started a, a partnership of design consultancy and did that for two and a half years, which grew relatively quickly. Um, I've done a lot of advising, some speaking. Uh, in the last five years, uh, I've held two positions, uh, both being VP of people and chief of staff um, for nonprofits and for-profits. Uh, and now I am uh, starting my own thing here, which is called the E1B2 Collective. So there's a lot happening, uh, mm -hmm. but that's what happened uh, a long time ago, which kind of got me on the path to, to figure out and learn what I did wrong. Brilliant. So a, a lawyer might tell you, all right, you need to, from, for preventing that sort of mistake in the future, you need to take out key person insurance or something, but that's not the right way to go. So what were the lessons you learned um, from that and from traveling through life since then in terms of the employee experience? Uh, a lot, but I'll, I'll try to keep it concise. So the first thing is strip away all ego. Um, I still think to this day, probably 80% of leaders that I come in contact with have ego. Now, I do a lot of work on neuroscience and psychology, so I understand why that happens. I understand that it's not, it's not a natural thing for anybody to build a million, five million, ten million, a hundred million dollar brand. It's just not a natural thing. There's a reason why they're called the one percenters, right? Um, and and it does something to the brain that is that the brain does not understand how to how to process at times. But you have to know that and be aware of that and unpack that and then strip that ego away. So that would be the first thing I would have done then and, and what I ask any leader to do now. And then beyond that, once your ego is stripped, you have to dive deep into, you know, if, if one of your employees feels safe enough to come to you and say, hey, I just want to have a nice, thoughtful dinner. I want to go out for a drink and I want to talk about my career. I want to talk about my future. You have to live into that. You have to do succession planning. You have to do, you know, thoughtful conversations around their current skills and versus the current skill gaps and, and do an analysis in your brand and see where there are some holes that that person could fill. I mean, you, you, you have to live into that because at a very human level, they deserve that. And at a business level, you deserve that as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, those are probably the two things that I would have done differently that I think um, a lot of leaders are still for some reason missing the mark on. Absolutely. And maybe this is not your area of specialty or perhaps it is with the whole sports focus uh, in, in yeah. the history there, but um, with things like NLP and coaching, all these sort of areas, they, I don't know, it's a, the classic abundance versus scarcity mindset. Does that clash with ego that you're saying is part of the problem? I think it does. I think, I think it does. I think, I think both of them have a lot to do with each other. And I think, and, and I understand, and that's the biggest thing. Like, don't be too hard on yourself. And, and, if, and, if, and if you actually, this is another way to look at it too. Like if you're a leader that's, that you're running a company where you have other leaders where they have that ego kind of embedded in their DNA, like you have to have empathy. You have to understand where it comes from. So I would agree that they are definitely correlated and connected. Yeah. And so with the coronavirus hitting the world as it has, how do you see that affecting the issue of employee experience? Um, it, it, it puts it in a really interesting position because now more than ever, you have to, you have to live into your employees reality and their flaws and their true circumstances and strip away your ego again as a brand, right? Because before, before you had the, 
you had the luxury to have the advantage, right? Like you could say, I need you to be here at 9 a.m. And that's final, right? Like you need to be yeah. here at 9 a.m. You need to get this deliverable turned in at this date, at this time, and that's final. And there was a certain level of accountability and there was a certain level of advantage that a brand had. Um, that's been removed now because the entire world for about three months, and it's starting to starting to open up here in America, but for, for about three months, everyone was put into a situation where you had to live into empathy. You had to live into vulnerability. You had to live into what I like to call like just human being things that are happening. Like you had to accept those things. And I, I think also what leaders realize is that things can still get done without so much micromanagement and, and things can still get done without such a strict uh, focus and control on how an employee spends their time. And, and, I, and, I, and so I think there's a lot of changes that hopefully will happen in the future. Definitely. Definitely. Being a marketing nerd, I'm, I'm curious yeah. as a 19 year old or so you formed a business that grew quite quickly and grew to a good size, all that sort of thing. How do you actually get your customers for that business in the first place? Yeah, I would love to talk about this and I can tie it into the, the brand that I'm running now. So yeah. um, I had a mentor early in my career uh, that was really big into partnerships. Um, partnership design is something that for some reason is still not talked about a lot in the world of marketing and the world of business. Um, you see it a lot in the entertainment industry. You see it a lot in the sports industry. You see it a lot in the, the, the fashion and clothing industry. Um, but for some reason, you don't see it a lot in other brands, in other, in other industries. Mm -hmm. And so for me, um, I can give you the tactical situation I did. So I sat down and I said, I'm a 19-year-old kid with no money, with no real equity in this world. How am I going to build a business? But I have an idea. And so I leveraged the celebrity and the competence of others. And I formed these partnerships with, I formed, I formed three partnerships. I formed a very significant partnership with Under Armour. And... I use clothing them. company. Yes. Sorry. Under Armour, the sports, the sports apparel brand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, back cause they're from Baltimore. So I, you know, I, uh -huh. I grew up and lived in Baltimore 10 years ago, 11 years ago, they were just getting going at a macro level. Obviously they've been around for about 23 years or so, but they were just starting to kind of be competitive with Nike, if you will. Um, and so, uh, there was an executive there that I convinced to, uh, provide all of the, the apparel and all of the clothing and all. So the, we, they were a full fledged partner from a sponsorship perspective on everything that we needed. So that solved that issue. And then wow. obviously on the website, we could put, you know, Under Armour there, which, which gave us credibility. Um, so that was one partnership. The second partnership was with the gentleman that I told you about that I decided to let go. Um, he came on as an employee, but I look, I, 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 I structured the relationship more from the lens of a partnership. So um, I knew he was connected to every single uh, middle and high school and every single um, recreational team in the cities and surrounding counties. And I knew he had a certain influence that I know I needed. He had access to the consumers. So I brought him on board as well. Uh, and then the third partnership that I made was with a uh, facility, $2.5 million facility, all the bells and whistles that I needed. And there was a COO who inevitably became the COO of my company that was there that really took me under his wing and said, look, we'll, we'll allow you to utilize this space. We'll, 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 we'll structure out some, some revenue splitting model here. And then I will also kind of come on to be your COO. And so 
there were three incredibly pivotal relationships that I forged at 19 that allowed that to turn into a brand. Um, and even past that, if you look at what I'm building now, um, the E1B2 Collective is a collective of professionals in the, e in the employee experience space that are all good at what they do. And so when we get a project, when I say we, E1B2, the brand gets a project, E1B2 only works on 40% of the project. The other 60%, I leverage the collective. I leverage their competence and then vice versa. The collective, they have projects where they'll leverage E1B2 as well. And it's a very different approach and a different way of going about business that more brands from the marketing lens need to think about. You don't always have to be the best at TikTok or Instagram or, or social media marketing or, or digital marketing. You can also leverage and, and, and really get creative with your partnership design um, behind the scenes, really. Like that's even another thing that I can talk about that can really help your business grow. What, what do you mean is behind the scenes? Um, like behind the scenes, like, like you don't have to have a blog, a newsletter, a website, like, like it's really interesting how you don't really need too much aesthetically, um, in front of the scenes. Um, you can forge significant strategic partnerships behind the scenes and grow a massive business in the shadows where no one knows about it. That's a real thing that happens. And that's kind of what I've been doing recently. Like, you see me on LinkedIn and you see a couple of things, but by no means am I a huge celebrity in the influencer space of business and entrepreneurship and branding and marketing and HR, but I'm behind the scenes doing some really interesting things that um, I'm proud of that, that no one really knows about, frankly. So um, I think Absolutely. more brands should think about it from that lens. Yeah, definitely. And uh, listeners, I, I promise you, I didn't pay Anthony to say all this, but because um, I've recently, Anthony, been putting together a, a partnerships list of companies and consultants that want to team up. So the, the driver was actually when the coronavirus hit mm -hmm. uh, for my audience through coaching and so on is uh, uh, consultants, either solo or small consultants, and suddenly all of their revenue is gone because uh, the work dries up. And mm -hmm. so it was, all right, well, which of the, uh, the HR tech firms out there are looking for referral partners to be able to refer into their clients. Um, so I stuck that on LinkedIn and suddenly 20,000 people later or views, or whatever, um, hundreds of comments, people going, I, I want a copy of this. So yeah, it's about 700 or 800 companies on there now. And I know so many on there are already partnering up um, in, in a way you describe. Yeah. It doesn't need the, the website, the fancy brochure, all that kind of stuff. It's just team up two cooperative businesses. Um, so how does it work for E1B2? What do you guys actually do and who are you serving as an audience or market? Yeah, so I'll, I'll keep it brief because it is pretty confusing to some. Um, the E1B2 Collective is a holding company and a collective. So it's a holding company first because in a future state, uh, I would like to build original brands and products and services uh, at a mass level, at a scale level that all impact the world of work and employee experience. So right now, the only original brand inside of the E1B2 Collective is a brand called Monday Anticipation, which has a product called Beyond Resume, um, which is pretty much a, a form and, and a consultancy that will help employees unpack who they are and workflows and desired leadership styles and a lot of different things that go beyond the resume so that when they get a job, they can present this information to an employer and thus their, their experience at that company will be much better from the get-go. Um, and then on the collective side, so 
E1B2, we are working on, um, we are working on startup employee experience. I call it the OS, like operating system design. So if you're a startup, 60, 70, 80 people deep, and you are now thinking about allocating, let's call it 40 to 60K um, for your first time people ops person, and you're going to really ask them to come in and build out the whole division from scratch, which is a, which is a lot of work. I'm saying pause on that. Give E1B2 55K, 50K, and I, we will, we, the collective, which is now 12 people, we have a team of people that will put that 50K to work and we'll build out a, an exclusive, you know, curated experience and HR and employee experience designed structure inside of your organization over a nine month period of time. And then we will use our recruiters who, is, who are in our, in our collective as well to find you your first people ops director plug them into the system that we've built for you and then walk away. Uh, and we'll do that for 55K, 40K, 60K, depending on their budget. Um, and I think that's a much better thing to do for a brand. And so that's what I mean collective. We have a lot of people. We have, you know, resume writers, job description writers, um, recruiters, uh, people, that, people that go deep into neuroscience and psychology, um, you know, diversity and inclusion, exec, you know, Anything that you can think of the word of employee experience, we're forming a collective. Um, and quite frankly, E1B2, the brand, we only have about 30 to 40% of the work that we do that is white label, that like we have our stamp on it and we won't change or budge or let anyone else kind of adjust it. And the other 60 to 70% really are on the backs of the collective because they have the tools, the structures, the systems already designed. We don't have to design it and we trust them. So that's kind of the way that we've, we've structured it. I like it. And the talent that comes in is actually part of that collective. Are they employees? Are they consultants who are offering their services to the collective? How does yep, it they're work? partners. So, yep, so they're partners. They are either executives at companies or they, they are consultants in their own right mm-hmm. that we, uh, you know, we, 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 we have a, you know, a price point that is connected to. So again, you know, practically, if we have a $55,000 contract that comes through, um, E1B2 has a certain portion that we need to pay what we need to pay for. And then there's certain price points that will connect to other build outs that need to happen. Uh, and the, so they're a part of the collective. Um, and then it's also vice versa too, Ben. Um, you know, there's opportunities that they will have that certain aspects of what E1B2 does would be best for us to be a part of as well. And so it's a, it's a mutual beneficial relationship. Yeah. Um, so if I'm uh, an employee, uh, recruitment marketing expert or a some other specialist in a particular field can i offer my services into the collective um for projects but still do my own thing as a consultant elsewhere is that how the model works yep 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 so right now we have beyond resume and we have the the i i we haven't actually made a a, a, a term for it yet. i don't even know what the service is called yet we have five startups which is interesting but nice. um so yeah, you know, so again, we, we get, we get that project. It's a nine month, 12 month project. We, we work on a startup. Um, we will reach out to you when the time is right. So we'll get the, we'll get the, we'll get the contract and you'll see, okay, in month four to month five, in the middle of month five, we need you to come in for four weeks, three weeks and do these things at this price point. So yeah, if you have your own practice and your own thing, still do that obviously because you're not really an employee of, of E1B2, you're not getting a full year salary. You're getting a piece of 
a project that uh, we will very much appreciate your expertise. Yeah, that makes sense. It's funny because uh, during the coronavirus, I've been messaged by many people who know that, for instance, we run coaching programs for HR consultants and for people thinking of becoming one one day. Mm-hmm. And yeah, lots of people who are in-house HR leaders, uh, OD leaders, recruitment leaders, they're a sort of, saying, oh, I'd love to do it myself. You know, how can I get started? And I think the rise of this model that you're describing provides more opportunities for people like that to either dip their toe in the water. And I don't mean that in a kind of a not put it in the effort sense, but just do small projects, standalone discrete things. uh, And if they want to scale it up over time or have a portfolio thing of different projects or part-time in a full-time employment role and then do projects through a, a model like this. So I really like what you're doing. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, how do you plan to, to start, grow, and win new clients for the collective? Yeah, so um, back to the marketing, right? So there's <laughs> a – no, that's important because there's, there's a lot happening there. So there's a lot of partnerships that we are making behind the scenes as well. So there's a couple things happening. So um, beyond resume, that product is for the employee. So there's a lot of strategic partnerships we're making with recruiters right now. Right. So and go back to my original story. We who who do we need to build a relationship with that has the intimate relationship with our end user? And what can we do to develop a revenue splitting model or some sort of a relationship that makes sense for both parties? So, you know, who has direct access to recruit um, to employees? Traditionally, recruiters, right? Um, recruiters at all times are working with employees, helping them get opportunities and are going through that process with them. Um, career coaches, um, um, you know, uh, resume writers. So we are forging relationships with them and, and saying, hey, we have a product here called Beyond Resume we're working on. When it's ready, we would love to, t- to test some things out. So that's that. Um, as it stands for the, the, the work that we're doing with startups, uh, we have an events business that we are curating right now where we're going to be inviting founders, inviting people leaders inside of startups to the events and just plugging them into some content and allowing them to really uh, get to know and understand what we're about. And we're cultivating that experience over the next year. Um, and then also um, like startup, startup grind Baltimore, which is a, an events business that's already curated. We are working with them to make sure that we are, um, you know, unpacking some tactics, some ideas, some perspectives from a thought leadership perspective to be seen and heard from other startups and then inevitably cultivate those relationships as well. So it's really through the lens of partnerships still, and uh, we're, we're in it for the long game. Love that. Yeah. I love the focus you've got on partnerships too. Um, so listeners do check out my chat with my business partner, uh, Deva Naidu, um, because we talk about uh, partnerships in the HR world and, and, and Anthony, this is the exact sort of stuff you're talking about here. And I, I love the strategic approach and then you're sort of putting pedal to the metal and actually getting some of this stuff happening um, because you're right. The recruitment firms are desperately looking for new re- revenue options or opportunities to serve their clients better. And, and then same with all the other streams. Um, what, what's your general advice for people running HR businesses? How do you think they could grow um, either survive or grow their own businesses in the current times? Partnerships, partnerships, partnerships. <laughs> um, what I've noticed is, and this is this is just true, and you know this with your podcast. 
I'm not sure where your downloads are right now on a monthly basis, per episode basis. I'm not sure what your views are with any of the content you put out. The marketplace is really, 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 really full right now. There's tons of podcasts. There's tons of videos. Um, there's tons of things happening. And so partner, you know, you're, you're not going to win. That's not true. You could win. And I see a lot of people that do win on LinkedIn. It's going to be hard for you to win at a macro level to become, let's call it like the Gary V of the HR world and just get a bunch of inbound coming into you because people enjoy your blogs, your content, your videos, your podcast. That's a very hard game to play that I'm just not interested in playing. Or to um, keep so playing as well on a sustained basis. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So the tip that I would give is number one, and you and I both know this, a lot of people have a little bit more of an advantage than I do. Um, and when I say that, meaning they have a 25-year, 15-year, 10-year experience in the world of HR at the corporate level. They've been on retreats. They've been to you know, networking events. They've, they've, they've been friends with fellow, fellow employees and fellow executives that have now gone on to start their own brand. So you have the relationships in your phone. You just need to go in for the ask. Um, and then even more than that, though, I would think about the strategic partnerships. Who are the people or the brands that are consistently selling or talking to your end user? And how can you reach out to them, have a very transparent, empathetic conversation and form a strategic partnership that makes sense for the both of you guys? Um, that and that and that design is, is actually an interesting one that some people can't unpack yet. But um, that's the way that I would go and that is the way that I am going. Yeah. I, actually, I need to ask a follow-up on that one because even with the very first business you described and what you're talking about now, you've, you've talked or shared several examples where you've gone into a bigger organization that's more established, let's say, and pitched an idea and then they're partnered up. So how do uh, smaller businesses, i.e. smaller than the ones they're pitching, how do, what's, the, what's in it for them? approach that they can offer to another business for a strategic partnership solving something on the back end or middle end of the of a current offering so like um so like for example with my very first business why would under armor even take advantage of it and, and want to be a part of it they saw potential right they saw that we we inevitably worked with five thousand kids over the course of the 18 months that we were in business every single kid wore Under Armour, right? They had the logo on their chest. They were pushing machines and working out that had Under Armour all over it. The logo, the brand was getting embedded in their subconscious. Yeah, so I'm yeah. quite sure some of those 5,000 have gone on to be true fans of Under Armour um, for the duration of their life. So that's a plus for them. Um, another way to think about partnership design with bigger brands, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a company in the HR space that I'm working on that I'm working with that's in the AI space, they are doing employee feedback survey design, right? Mm. Um, we, I reached out to them and said, hey, I, I get that the feedback is important and I know that the survey design is important, but do you guys have a service right now where you guys go deeper and sit down with an executive and help them unpack and come up with tactics on the back of the data that they're getting from the feedback in the survey? They said, no, we just are the, we're just the AI and tech product. And I was like, great. We would like to come in and have you guys have another white label, higher level ancillary service that 
probably only 10% of your clients are gonna take advantage of, but you can ticket it at a higher price point that makes sense for you, makes sense for me. And, and the other piece I would give you, Ben, as well, is take ego out of it. If you're going up, if you're gonna go the partnership route with a lot of different brands, don't be so egotistical and try to go for 50, 60% of the pie. Like for in this particular scenario I'm talking about, we're getting like 15% of the pie. I don't personally, people are like, why would you do I don't care because there's yeah. like, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get another 15 of those people. Um, so it, it adds up. So I've tried to take my ego out of it and I've tried to attach myself to the back end or the middle of an already existing product and replacing something that they currently are not doing in house and don't have a desire to do in house. Absolutely. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, this are just two different services combining and then they're sharing revenue or, marketing sales, all that sort of stuff. Think also of the end user, the person involved, for instance, that executive previously, they were just getting some data from um, an AI uh, survey tool or something like that. But this is now partnered up and they're getting a much deeper insight and they've got plans and strategies that they can put in place to look amazing to their shareholders or to the board. Um, So it's not necessarily just about strategic uh, strategies and tactics and revenue shares and things like that. It is a win-win-win, really, isn't it? When the two partners win, plus the end user wins. It is because in, in most cases, and, and again, in this particular case, you know, these are young young lads here. These are young guys that are that have been head down in university, building up the competence and the skills to be able to build an AI product. Um, that's not their background. That's not what they uh. do. And then and and and. And don't get me wrong, there are tons of companies like the example I just gave you that have made the strategic partnership and brought in a founder or CEO that is from the HR world to make sure that they're doing the right things. But even then, right, those people are executives in running the company. They don't have time to go and work on every single individual partnership or, or client that is using the product to then go into consulting. Like they don't, they're not, they don't have time for that. So in most cases, they're not building out that consultant arm. They're not, they're not interested in it because they have so many other things going on. But all, all it takes for them is to go in for the ask to their client to say, hey, we have this other service available. And now they have more money coming in the, the, that they didn't have prior. And it took them zero effort to build out and design on their half. So um, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a different way of going about it, but I, I enjoy it. Yeah, really good. So finally, then, if people want to either work with you, partner with you, become a client, what should they do next? Uh, a couple of different things. So you can reach out to me on Twitter. I believe it's E1B210. Don't ask me where the 10 came from. <laughs> um, it's uh, Twitter, I guess, E1B2, just like that was taken. Um, so you can reach out to me there. Um, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn at Anthony Vaughn, V-A-U-G-H-A-N, and I'll answer at all times. Um, and then I have an email, Anthony Vaughn, 2015 at gmail.com or E1B2Brands at gmail.com as well. Very good. And we'll have all those links in the show notes if you're listening to this on the go. Um, yeah, do check the show notes for that uh, for those links. Anthony, I've learned so much and I'm sure that our listeners have. So thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate this. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business. 
the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.